Welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with mall rats and everybody who wears hats. This is Paul and Adrian. Let's go. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap No cap. I got a, a YouTube wreck from the algorithm of an Indian comedian who's basically trying to be like the antithesis of Hari Kondabolu, it seems to be like. So uh, I, I saw the trailer for his special where he made fun of like any South Asian person being offended by Apu from The Simpsons. Uh, and if you want a little taste of his comedy, he uh, I think one of the jokes in the trailer was, uh, you know... People always talk about all the things you can get if you're a white man and how privileged it is to be a white man. You can have anything. I'll tell you one thing a white man can't have, an opinion. So he's a pretty cool dude, too, I think. <laughs> Wait, sorry. I think my video froze so you didn't hear the raucous laughter. But yeah, that was awesome. That's such a good joke. That's um. So I think because I clicked on that video, I started getting uh, other recommendations for him. And he's a guy who apparently hangs around Andrew Schultz a lot. And that's when it all, it all just clicked. And I was like, oh, OK, so Andrew Schultz kind of an idiot. sucks so much, dude. Fuck dude, Charlemagne exactly. the God. Fuck Andrew yeah. Schultz. Like, if you're going to be that offensive, can you at least be funny? Can you at least yeah. be like uh, Ari Shafir or something? Like, do you have to be completely unfunny and that whiny and complainy about woke culture? Jesus. Yeah, so you know what? You know, I'm not about canceling people. I'm gonna give his special a try when it comes out. I'll pay all ten dollars for it, but uh, I'm not expecting a lot. Tell you what, mm -hmm. dude's name is Akash Singh. If you want to look him up, he seems kind of like an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't. <laughs> I feel like I know the lane. I think when I it was it it clicked for me when I saw him with Andrew Schultz, and then it was also when I was looking at the description for the video for the trailer for his special, where it was like South Asians have been playing victims for too long <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean wait what <laughs> and then going away from my from like uh, angry rants uh i had a little uh trip with phil where i was helping him pick up a couch because my car is bigger than his or my parents car is bigger than his and so we took a little foray to the mall and had a little mall trip uh, got to see our old stomping grounds in harbison and uh he bought me some auntie ann's pretzel dog bites it was pretty good Oh, nice. We're getting into the theme. Auntie Anne's. Yeah. The theme, Auntie Anne's. <laughs> the theme is Auntie Anne's pretzels. No, it's not, Adrian. Don't be silly. Apologize mm -hmm. to the audience and tell them the real theme. Sorry, I guess I was, uh, I guess I was a pretzel there because I got it twisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme is malls. Malls. Paul, big ideas off top. Let's just go to the food court because <laughs> that's where my Ooh. mind goes. Okay. Let's you enter know, our mind palace and imagine we've walked into Columbiana Grand Mall in Harbison, Irmo. You entered through the entrance at the food court, so I don't have to walk you far in this little mind. That is vision. actually where we entered, yeah. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah, I, I know you wanted to get right onto that, uh, the carousel they had there. There's only two spots that are still the same from when we were in college slash high school, and it's Chick-fil-A. And uh, I think like a Japanese place. Other than that, it's all different restaurants and stuff. Yeah, I mean, those places are so interchangeable. I wonder if they don't do good or if they just cycle out anyway, whether they are or aren't doing well. Yeah, I think they do like a sharesy program and they're like, all right, I've taken my time up. I'm going to head out. 
The as seen by uh, the as seen on TV store is now a wing place though, which is always weird that it was in the food court to begin with. That they like tucked it away in the corner of the food court. Yeah, there was always one or two places in the food court that were just like random areas. Is the GameStop still there in the food court? No, that's not there anymore. R.I.P. But you know what flagship store is right outside the food court and has always been our friends at Hot Topic. We didn't go in because they were doing like a really strict like one person at a time. And we were like, we're not going to wait to go to Hot Topic. Like, so we can I ask it. you a question. Does the food court, is it still as full of joy and whimsy without the samples because of COVID or has that ruined going through <sighs> the food court? Not not a lot of joy there, to be honest. It looked a little bit sad. I will say that one of the interesting things about it is that there's a Chinese place there. And I assume they might have moved from somewhere else. But it is funny to me knowing that it can't be more than like four years old. But they have the like Chinese food, like menu label, like things up on the board that are clearly like so sun faded. Or, like, <laughs> they look like 50 years old. And it's like, you've been around for maybe four years in this spot. <laughs> How did that happen already? That being said, that food's probably delicious. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's always the, the it's so green and discolored and, and so Chinese sun-faded. spots are always the best spot in those food courts. I would judge somebody who went to Chick-fil-A in a mall food court oh, instead yeah. of getting some cheap Chinese. Anywhere else, I get it. You know, they're a great company. But in the food court, mm-hmm. come on. Adrian supports them, especially their politics. He actually, he doesn't like their food. <laughs> he just donates to Chick-fil-A as an organization. Yeah, the tax breaks. All right. All right. Let's continue walking with our mind's eye through this mall. Uh, what other locations are there? How about the little stuff between, like, not just the kiosks. the kiosks, but the stuff between the kiosks, like the chair that you, like the electric chairs that you can pay a dollar to get a massage. The in. massage chair. Yeah. Even the more lazy version of let's try to make money every square foot of this place. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's there anymore, but they used to have the little uh, thing where you put a penny in and it just spins around in a big dish and you get to see it just like funnel into a thing. How expensive do you think it is to get a kiosk? Could we get a big fax no cap kiosk and just like hang out there? We, I mean, we couldn't, it wouldn't, we couldn't do it forever, but we probably could do it for a while. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's pay for a day at the mall. Set up a table. You know, I don't know if we want to get into this already, but I will say it, at the very least, this mall is doing pretty well still. It is not one of those like decrepit, sad malls or even worse. One of those like, have you ever seen like a, a YouTube channel that literally like they just go through dead malls and just like kind of photograph and like film stuff? Uh, I haven't seen it, that YouTube channel, but I've been to one of those malls. Oh, yeah, shit. That must be weird. <laughs> yeah, there's this like Asian mall out uh, out um, here in Charlotte. Um, is it Craighead? road that it's on i forget what road it's on it's the one with uh there's still like so i think it opened in the 70s or something and it was going to be like a place for mm-hmm. you know a bunch of various like asian restaurants and grocery stores to open and i guess slowly over time it's just like worn out and died yeah and it's had a little bit of a revival i think i've looked up an article and like the four there's like four or five spots that are open in it now mm-hmm. but they are like Few and far between. You walk in here and there's like 10 boarded up places for each one place that's open that's like a little yeah, grocery yeah. store or a little bon me shop. And I remember one time being in there and there's like all this stuff that's like dying or just like clearly been untended to. Like the all the ceramic is completely like broken away. And um, I was like, oh shit, I need to use the bathroom. Where can I use the bathroom? So I start walking around and I end up like walking through this hallway that has no light then i like 
round a corner and I've turned on my phone light so I can see. And at this point, I'm just curious. And there's like a bucket on the floor catching the water, like falling from the ceiling because there's a hole in the ceiling. And then I walk around it and then there is a bathroom without a toilet in it. It's like a hole, (laughs) Uh, but it's clearly a bathroom. Like there's a sink with no running water. And there's mm. a hole where a toilet would go, and I was like, I just need to pee, so. You could have just done it in the bucket. That's catching water. Somebody's going to have to empty that bucket. Nobody's going to empty the hole into the ground. Mm, I guess that makes sense. That was very polite of you. Yeah, I'm a very nice person. Mm. I doubt people even go back there more than once a year. I don't, I, it was, it was very creepy. I, the whole time I was like, if somebody attacked me. I would win the fight because I'm very powerful and I'm a great fighter, but like it would, it, that makes sense. it would be a real bummer on my day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the closest thing we have to that maybe is the Decker mall where I think it's literally the movie theater that's in there and like the Belk that's in there. And that's about it. That's still it all open. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that was a mall where we could kind of see the decline of it in real time pretty readily. Um, but I don't know. We were kind of in like those last, that very last heyday of mall culture in America. Yeah, we well, the culture the is some malls are still doing good because they just have a lot of stores people want to go to, but no malls doing good because people just want to go to malls anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think um, the stat that I saw when I looked it up was 2007 was the first year uh, that no new malls, no new malls were built in America. So like right a year before the recession. So, yeah, we were really like right in that tail end of uh, mall growth culture. Do you kind of miss it? Do you think you would have been a great little mall rat? No, nah, I didn't really like it all that much, to be honest. I think with the advent of online shopping, like I kind of very strongly preferred that because I was always kind of an antisocial person. Mm, so you're not imagining all those uh, shopping montages that are missing from your life? The uh, teen fantasy of working at the mall and having a bunch of friends that work at other stores and you guys all meet at the food court during your break and hang out. Yeah, or the montage where instead of showing the fun parts where you get dressed up, they just show as more and more bags appear in your hand as you kind of walk through, implying that you've bought more and more things. No, it's too heavy for me. But yeah, did you ever like go around to the mall just to hang out? I think Phil, when we were rocking around the mall, was like, yeah, it was actually pretty common for me and Drake and Coleman to just like go to the mall and do nothing, not even buy anything, just walk around because it was something to do. Yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't for me. Harbison was kind of far away. I mean, Lexington wasn't a mall town. You had to go all the way out to... Old Dermon, mm. if we were doing that, if me and you were doing that, you know we were going for some Indian food, not to hang out at the mall. Ain't that the truth? We're going there to see a movie. We're going there to go to the $2 theater. What are we doing at the mall? That's St. Andrews. <laughs> That's a different part of town. It's still that direction. You gotta cross the dam. It's all one part of town. Mm. That's how I see the world before the dam <laughs> and after the dam. <laughs> That is how I saw the world as a kid. I was like, Lord of the Rings. I was like, Frodo, Mm. if I take one more step over this dam, I'll be further from home than I've ever been before. Actually, the movie thing resonates with me a lot because before kind of all movies standardized and upgraded to like the kind of movie theaters we have now, it definitely was a thing where my parents would be like, oh, if we're going to go see a movie, we're not going to go to the Lexington like movie theater. We're going to go to remote. That's a way nicer one. Yeah. No, same thing. I do remember that. Like by the time I was in high school, it was like embarrassing to go to the lexington movie theater it's like nah you make a day of mm-hmm. it you go to harbison make a day of it come on go come to the shopping on. mall go to barnes and noble go to you know fucking uh what am i gonna stay in lexington to go to the books a million <laughs> are you kidding me bro <laughs> oh my god like i'm poor 
Yeah, never really liked going to the licensed movie theater, but I guess we're talking about malls, though. Malls. Malls. Any malls you ever like? You ever like go to a fucking new town and while you're visiting, you go to the mall or whatever? Just, uh... I think the first thing I ever did in Charlotte was go to South Park Mall. Yeah. At some point in college while driving through. Hmm. Oh, you know what's a random memory is? I think before, and we've never done this for a Halloween article before, but um, before my family would go to, uh, you know, random neighborhoods because we lived in the middle of the woods, so we couldn't trick or treat there. And after we were, did the phase where we would trick or treat at church, there was definitely a, a weird middle period where we would actually uh, trick or treat at the mall because that was an option uh, back when they were a little bit bigger is you could go like store to store and they would give you candy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was, was one of the things good? we had to do since we never lived in a neighborhood. Um, yeah, it was usually pretty fun. I remember liking it. What are your memories of mall stores that are like, they kind of pop up, they're there for a year, and they sell a really oddly specific product, and then they disappear? Do you know about this phenomena? Do you agree with me that it I, is a phenomena? You know, I don't, I kind of feel like the general turnover rate in malls is probably pretty high, so it might be a thing that kind of just happens. I will quickly say my two favorite places from when I went to go with uh, Phil to the mall recently. Um, first one was Bento Box, which is a legitimately cool, like, so I think it's interesting because it's like a it's supposed to, it's like a Japanese forward store with like a lot of merch and like cool stuff. But you realize once you get in there that it's kind of just a that like what they're selling is nostalgia. Like they'll do Winnie the Pooh. Uh, they'll do like there was like a little McDonald's section for like retro McDonald's merch. So it was kind of just like, oh, there was like a Nightmare Before Christmas. So it was just kind of general alternative nostalgia. Um, but I actually it was, you know, right up my lane. Um, and then the other thing that I really enjoyed going to was Man Cave. Uh, which was a, <laughs> a whole mall shop with like sports, uh, different memorabilia and different little trinkets. Uh, a couple highlights. They had the like car bunk, uh, like the, the bumper of a car that comes out of a wall with like a shelf on it for like your man cave. Um, All right. I, I don't know if they have this. And if they do, don't tell me. I don't want to be heartbroken that I didn't come up with this idea. Man cave near the entrance should have a pink couch and it should be like where the wife sit over mm. it like they should be doing a flip on that idea of like the guy sitting at the entrance of like the victoria's secret or whatever waiting yeah, for his yeah, wife yeah. the man cave should have like a pink couch where the wife sits when you enter i like the that store. I, you know that's very much in the spirit of nathan for you you know what i could go for a mother effing beer <laughs> um and then i think the other thing that i really enjoyed was the 20 dollar um atlanta falcons uh decorated hammer that you could buy hmm well, Just you, a nice you, Atlanta Falcons hammer. You can't even pick it up unless you're... Of true spirit? You're of true spirit. <laughs> of pure spirit. <laughs> of pure spirit and in line with the morals of the Atlanta Falcons football team. That's a mm. little joke for all our MCU heads in the audience. Hey. And uh, just to be clear, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, Adrian, I have a brand new column for you. And by brand new column, I mean a column we haven't done before, but actually from 2006. This column is on parents.com. Parents.com. Hey, parents.com. Um, the answerer is Jan Fall, M-E-D. What's that stand for? Masters in Education? I think so, actually, yeah. Okay, cool. So Jan Fall, Masters in Education, posted September 7th, 2006. Wow. If only we could go back and warn her it was going to be the five-year anniversary of September 11th in three days. If I could turn four days back time. <laughs> All right. Here's the question posted to them. 
My 14-year-old daughter was caught shoplifting this weekend at the mall. She'd shoved a few lipsticks and hair clips into her bag and was caught by the store's security guard. They gave her a warning and called me to come get her, but didn't press charges. I'm mortified by this. We're lenient with allowance, and she's never had a problem with stealing before. What do I say to her about this, and is there anything I should be saying to her younger brother to keep him out of this kind of trouble? Alright, first note's pretty obvious, right? Yeah, she should kill her daughter. This is the first time she's ever had a problem with getting caught stealing before. <laughs> this ain't a one-time thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where was she on September 11th? That, that's my question. <laughs> <laughs> we have a master criminal on our hands. Um. Yeah, yeah this, is a real, this is a real suburban mom type question. Mm-hmm. I think that this mm-hmm. is like such a... A, a disgrace on her family. Can you imagine if the other moms in the neighborhood heard about this? That would be real bad. That would be real bad. How could you even show up to bridge night? Uh, Paul, have you ever shoplifted as a kid? This is kind of embarrassing. It's really trashy and I don't like it. But I never shoplifted, but I did steal from our schools. Ooh. Mm. I don't really know why. Are you just Louis K story about stealing the scales from the... <laughs> no, I up? wish it had been that cool. I think at one point, I'll blur out his name, but our friend, uh just started getting into stealing like staplers and rulers that i just was like i bet i could steal some shit too wait is that one of those things where like the current psychology psychological diagnosis of that is like it's just a thing for kids to feel control or something (laughs) (laughs) probably what is that did you ever shoplift adrian i did want i did twice both were accidental though Mm. um Mm. one was i was at walmart i was wearing a hoodie and, th- you know, this is also embarrassing. I, I, I guess I swear, all of officer, always... I didn't know I couldn't take the BMW. <laughs> they sell those at Walmart? Um, this was around the time where I was a young man and I would use Axe body spray. And there was an ad for their new, like, dark chocolate scent where, like, the guy turns into a piece of chocolate and all the women are, like, eating him or whatever. And I mm. saw a mini bottle of it at Walmart on, like, in the checkout line. And I was like, oh, hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll buy this. And I put it in, like, my hoodie, like, sleeve thing, like, the middle pocket or whatever. And at some point during my shopping, I totally forgot about it. And I just left and had it. And because I was such a fucking dweeb, I literally had, like, the angel and devil on my shoulder being like, you should go back and tell them the truth or whatever. <laughs> and then the other one being like, nah, become a sexy chocolate boy. And I did the latter. <laughs> How did it smell? It was, yeah, it was like a weird processed chemically chocolate thing. It wasn't great, to be honest, but I don't think any axe scent is really that good. And then the other one was I was having a uh, sleepover with my friend Dylan Copeland. And as part of like the fun of it or whatever, we uh, went to Target to get onesies. And I think because either my sister worked there at the time or someone else worked there at the time. We had a long conversation with someone who was working there uh, and we got distracted. And at one point we just walk out without paying for them and like nothing went off and nothing happened. And so like we were just driving back to the house and at a certain point we were like, oh, shit, we didn't pay for these. And then we were like, well, I don't know. They were like 25 bucks. I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to spend that. So. And then we went to the rushes and stuck them up for their cash register money. But we were like, we didn't even, like, we just were kind of being forgetful. Like, we were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, just like, oopsies. So- After I walked out, I was like, should I go back and put the cash into the register? So the other thing about it was that later that week, we were doing in my psychology class for Miss Cunningham's class, um, the cocktail party effect or whatever in psychology, where like, 
you know, how is it that there's so much going on at a cocktail party, but you're able to focus on and like whoever's talking in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so it was a thing where like you had two people and we we're supposed I'm to just tell a that story. That's how they teach it to high schoolers, notoriously people who spend a lot of time at cocktail <laughs> parties. Uh, so what they did is she just had two of us come up and just like, she was like, just tell any story and just do it at the same time. And then the point was like, try and listen to both of them and then see how much you can recollect, like writing down what their stories were. And I just told that story. And at the end of it, she made sure to like ask like if it was real or not. And because she, because I felt like she was going to fucking call the cops on me. I was like, no, that was a joke. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the most resonant thing with uh, shoplifting for me was uh, I have an ex-girlfriend who when uh, she got a little glimpse, we got a little taste of this, a little moose bouche in a previous episode. Did I mention it? Uh, But yeah, she really, uh, she was really into shoplifting and it was like a very politically charged thing of like big corporations and like I should take as much as I can from them because they take as much as they can from us. And it had like all this uh, justification behind it. And it just always made me so anxious. I was like, God damn it. It's just like every time. I mean, I was going to say, I don't I, there's no way there's a storyline in a sitcom where I think the solution is that they just start paying beforehand for the person whoever what they steal or whatever. <laughs> But I don't, there's no way that's a storyline in a sitcom. Um, anyways, yeah. So it, to answer the question, do you want to answer the question? I feel like the obvious answer is that she's 14 and kids will do shit like this and it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But what she should tell the younger brother, I think she should do a scared straight type thing where you like send the daughter away to like sleep at a friend's house for a week, but pretend that she's in jail and then mm-hmm. have her come back with like a bandana on and like an orange jumpsuit gotcha. and just be like, you want to see what I've seen? Kid? Oh, so you have to also send her to acting classes so that she can really <laughs> yeah, sell that's, this That's character. where you send her for a week. Yeah, yeah. Get a little teardrop tattoo on her face. I think that makes sense. I think that's good parenting. I would personally, you know me, Adrian, I'm always looking up for spiritual advice. I'm always looking up for the godly way about things. So I think the Bible says in this situation that you chop off their hand. Mm-hmm. It's not the only option, but it's an option. Yeah, this is blue sky thinking. Mm-hmm. She does not have to go back in time uh, 15, 16 years and enact our advice. So we can say whatever. Also, what does that mean? So 16. So she's 30 now. She's older than us. Yeah. Do you think uh do you think this is a marshmallow test uh even though that study's obviously flawed where uh, oh, clearly kid, she's like almost certainly a prisoner can... now? Gotcha. Oh, is that what that test said? I thought it was just something about like impulsivity, like it was just a way to test that. I didn't know it was about whether they would go to prison. No, it was one of those things where it was longitudinal, so they like followed up with the kids like however many years later and they're like, "Yeah, you that one study, that one little thing data point that we took actually correlates pretty well with like their outcomes, which like I said, I don't think there's, I don't really know how they did that, but I think we consider it flawed now. Oh, no, what it was, was um the people, the, a lot of the kids, because they didn't control for like class or like background from where they came from, it, the economically disadvantaged kids were the most likely to eat the immediate reward without delayed gratification. And the obvious like economic, economic background that they came from was with what correlated with like later uh, negative outcomes, especially when it came to like. That almost makes sense on its face, because it's like if you're in a household where there isn't a full pantry, you probably eat mm-hmm. something as soon as you see it before your older sibling comes and eats it because yeah, there exactly, isn't a yeah. full pantry. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, I've said it before on this pod and I'll say it again. God, scientists are some of the stupidest fucking people you'll ever meet. <laughs> like the most obvious things in the world, they will just overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not everybody can be my friend, Dr. Monroe Key. The goat. The goat. What do you feel about, how do you feel like, do you think she should have aimed bigger for what she stole? What did she steal? A pair of lipstick and... Some hair clips. Some hair clips. 
Yeah, so she definitely had the uh, allowance to buy it because that can't be more than like 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what I said earlier. Like, it probably speaks to some kind of issue about like psychologically how she's feeling as a mm. person who's like coming into her formative years of where she's supposed to feel more independent, but maybe she doesn't and she lacks some sense of like authority or control or something. Or it's the Kendall Jenner brand lipstick, and that's really important Ooh, to be cool. That's true. Or it's a color pop eyeliner. I know girls love that, right? That's what girls like. Mm-hmm. Hit us up if you're a girl and leave five stars on the uh, podcast and let us know if color pop is popular with you guys. I think we know. You know, right after Hot Topic in the mall is Claire's, and I spent a lot of time there, too. <laughs> you getting your ears pierced? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shoving little eight-year-old girls out of the way like, no, I'm going to look good with these diamonds in my ear. Paul, you know, you know I'm Latino. I got my ears pierced when I was a baby. Did you really? No, oh. <laughs> are not that's just a stereotype for female uh, AFAB T Latinas. I could have totally believed it and just like, I mean, they grow back in. I know they're not pierced now, but I would, it would have been really funny if your parents had pierced your ears as a baby. <laughs> like every picture joke. of you as a baby is <laughs> pierced <laughs> ears. That'd they be actually so did, cute. Uh, they did fucking gauges, actually. So <laughs> I was looking pretty hardcore. Should we do the cigarette thing and tell her to make her go back to the mall and steal everything? Yeah, just go to send her back to the mall with your shopping list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to steal every single thing at the store or you don't get to leave. You want to get to the sanitary, Adrian? Uh, boy, howdy, do I? First of all, you're not alone. According to Shoplifters Alternative, a national nonprofit research and rehabilitation program, there are about 23 million shoplifters in our nation today, and one quarter are teenagers. But since it's your child who was caught, these statistics likely don't bring solace. You might be feeling that you failed as a parent and that your daughter is doomed to an adolescent life of delinquency. Rest assured that since your child was caught and doesn't have a history of stealing, the embarrassment and shame she suffered will likely end her days as a shoplifter. I don't want to go back to your point, Adrian, but caught for the first time. How is she so sure she doesn't have a history of stealing? Mm-hmm. Because the stolen merchandise was returned and she received what was probably an intimidating talk by the security guards, there's no need to lecture your daughters. She knows what she did was wrong, and now she needs to wallow in her misery and guilt silently without you lecturing or exploding. The most you need to say is, I'm extremely disappointed. You know that it's wrong to steal. I expect that you'll never do it again. Shoplifting is totally unacceptable within our family in this community. Do not then repeatedly bring up the situation. It's time to wipe her shoplifting slate clean. With regards to your son, rather than simply hope he will never shoplift, try a proactive approach. Talk about the temptation he might feel when shopping to slip an item in his pocket. Tell him his sister's episode was shoplifting. By engaging in this conversation, you are not putting ideas in your son's head. Such thoughts cross even the most moral child's mind. Besides, if he's a child who would never shoplift, talking about it won't do any harm. One role of parents is to prepare their children for the new environments they'll encounter. Going shopping without a parent is one such new experience. So when your son goes off to the mall alone or with a friend, that's the time to tell him about store security systems, the legal consequences of stealing, and it's wrong to take something that belongs to another, even if it's a large merchandise corporation. Many teams- I feel like that's a classic, like a grandparent, like a naughty grandparent thing in like a sitcom where they're like, what? You stole from the Best Buy on Decca? You gotta go to the Best Buy on Two Notch. They don't got the security system. <laughs> Yeah, I know. What was up with you? You got to teach them about security systems. Like, you got to teach them to be a hacker. 
<laughs> that is a very odd thing to say. Uh, many teens justify shoplifting because they believe the store is a big and personal corporation with lots of merchandise. Ooh. Therefore, it will never miss a little something taken by them. Uh, okay, I I don't like that they said that like it wasn't true. Some teens make shoplifting a habit. They're rebellious and thrill-seeking, or want things they can't afford and that their parents can't or won't buy them. They want something but don't have the maturity to develop a plan to earn the needed money. Your job is to teach your children to resist the immature notion of instant gratification that comes with shoplifting. If shoplifting becomes a persistent problem with either of your children, it's definitely time to seek professional help. You alone won't be able to punish away the inclination to steal. Alright, thoughts on that? Um... It was very wordy for the most boring answer we've ever fucking had on this show. Can oh, you recall anything? Uh, even Abby isn't. At least Abby will. Like, she, Can you least, imagine what she would say? That was. I don't know, man. I almost want to cut it out to save the audience. No, I mean, it's definitely worth seeing what she has to say. She's got a degree. She has three children. She lives in Seattle. She's an expert. Oh, my God. Can you imagine living in Seattle and feeling like there needed to be anybody else to give advice other than Dr. Fraser Crane? Oof, Why do they let right. other doctors into that city? Um, yeah, no, pretty basic answer. Other than Sounds Dr. Niles Crane, of course. <laughs> Ugh, those, <laughs> those two brothers kill me. The boys. The boys. There's some Seattle boys. I just scrolled down a little bit more. Should we be the first to add a comment onto this? Mm. Uh, okay, I'm going to write a comment to leave on here. Adding the comment now. I know this person, and you may be surprised that they grew up into an even bigger shoplifter. They shoplifted the most difficult thing of all. My heart. We've been married for 10 years. And post. I like it. Uh, we should start leaving comments on every on every advice column. Yeah, for the ones that at least offer the, uh, the option. All right, Adrian, are you ready for your column? Um, boy, howdy, are we? All right, so our next column is from The Grist. It's a big climate change, sustainability, environmentalist uh, publication. Um, and so they have a uh, advice column kind of under that umbrella. And so this is uh, Ask Umbra. Here is a little question from that. Why do I love the mall when I hate consumerism? You don't have to change what comforts you but you can control how you react to it. A little intro. It's been a hell of a year, so rather than just reflecting on all that went down in 2020, we're going to go a bit further back and seek comfort via nostalgia. But while revisiting simpler times may feel like temporary escapes from current disasters like climate change, a pandemic, and attempted coups, they always remind us of how we got here. Welcome to Grist's Nostalgia Week. So this is an old question, and this is Eve Andrews, a staff writer. Dear Umbra, I always crave a visit to the mall around the holidays. Why do I find it so soothing? I consider myself an anti-consumerist. From the irresistible naughtiness of Yuletide, thrills in malls. Uh, so this is one with a really short question and then a very long answer, so I'll have to edit the answer out as we go. But um, yeah, thoughts on the question, Paul? You did say that you weren't a big holiday shopper at the mall, right? Uh, no, not that I can recall. Um, you know, actually, I think this is one of my memories that I don't enjoy, but I definitely did the thing where, uh, Mark and I went to the mall when we were in high school, like way too old to do the Santa thing, but we definitely did like wait in line to like see Santa or whatever. It's like, uh, yeah, isn't that funny that we're going to go see Santa? And then, uh, yeah, we definitely did that. We were those guys for a bit. I, I don't know if that's a type of guy, but I do get that type of energy. 
Really? You don't just like get like general, like, I'm too old to do this, but isn't it funny that I'm a high schooler doing this vibe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. That's what I was saying. I get that energy, but I didn't know that. I was saying I didn't know it was a specific thing with Santa. <laughs> do you think he understood that you guys were doing a stupid joke, or do you think he thought that one of you was mentally handicapped? He thought that I was like four years or five years younger than I actually was. So he was like, oh, it makes sense that that guy's here. I don't know about this other dude. Um, other than that, I think it's mostly like a media thing that I see people like going to the mall for the holidays. What do you mean by that? Like in media, people talk about going to the mall? No, it's like scenes are set there oftentimes. Like if you're trying to set the stage for a Christmas special, it's snow coming down and then you zoom into a mall where they're walking around with a bunch of boxes. Gotcha, gotcha. I guess Elf is a movie where I remember where they did that. I'm trying to think what else. Elf. Uh, well, what's the uh, Arnold Grinch Schwarzenegger? Christmas. Arnold Schwarzenegger Jingle all one the way. where he needs to buy a toy for his kid. I feel like he goes to the mall to get the toy there. Jingle all the way. There's the Billy and Mandy holiday special where they're waiting in line for Santa um, at the mall. Uh, they're oftentimes, but not always, a very anti-consumerist message uh, about Christmas. Um, which, how do you feel about that? In college, I had a friend whose big thing was being he didn't like Christmas, and that always annoyed me. And he had, like, this whole spiel about, like, it being such a consumerist holiday and blah, blah, blah. And I remember that Christmas, he got, like, a $1,000 guitar or some shit, and I got a bunch of clothes, and I was like, this feels like you really telling on yourself that this feels like more of a self-critique. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Basically, what I'm getting at is Wait, Christmas haters it, go to hell. Christmas rocks. You suck. <laughs> well, they will if they don't remember the reason for the season. But also, <laughs> so it was the thing that he was anti-consumerist. So like he bought people shitty presents or nothing. And then he got all that in exchange for that. Or like uh, we weren't close enough to exchange presents. I don't know how his gift giving gotcha. ability was. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where you also kind of use it to be like, yeah, that's why I just uh, made named a star after you or like a. <laughs> But uh, I, I didn't. I didn't song. even use one of those services because they're a scam. The star wouldn't be called that. So I just like pointed at one. I was like, "That's you." <laughs> so every time you see that star in the sky, <laughs> which one is it again? Eh, I don't know, kiddo. Get out of here! I give you your star. Um, I guess we're going back to the old. It isn't like an. It's it's an inherently climate changey, you know, uh, Western wastefulness type question. So we kind of covered a lot of it in our earlier climate shaming episode, but. Yeah, any other ideas about the whole consumerist nature of the holidays or going to malls in general? Fast fashion? I mean... Sustainability? Not really. <laughs> what a big topic for you to be like, you got any ideas off the top about, about the environment? Off the dome about that? <laughs> Actually, one of the things that I remember getting... I can't remember if it was one of those things where I just like asked my girlfriend to get it for me or if I got it for myself and it happened around the holidays. Or I told my parents for someone to get it for me. But do you know that I have an engraved pocket watch? No. I got it when I was like 15. And, uh, and you it got was it from engraved with A equals where... equals D. Yeah, I did. Um, it was at the mall and there was like a store that did engravement and monogramming and whatever. And I saw a pocket watch that I liked. And so uh, I think I convinced someone around me. Maybe it was my neighbor to get it for me as a gift. And so I have like an AAPV uh, pocket watch. Nice. Used to wear it when I wear my suits. Back when I was a big wig, big capitalist, big Rockefeller type. <laughs> that is a, th remember what, like, 
Yeah, that is funny. Whereas but- now I understand that pocket watches, especially the engraved ones, are counter-revolutionary, and I don't want to be counter-revolutionary. <laughs> Adrian, I'm sorry to break it to you, but having a podcast is counter-revolutionary. Um, Fuck, dude, we're being so counter-revolutionary being right so- now. No, 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 I'm not. Being 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 the big fact in a podcast isn't counter-revolutionary, uh, it's just a no cap. Um, that makes sense. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever know the type of people who... In the same kind of like, I don't know, it almost feels old fashioned, but in that same kind of like, not anti-consumerist, but like anti-wasteful thing, they would be like, whenever I unwrap a present, I make sure to do it very gently. That way I can reuse the wrapping paper later. Mm. Can you believe that there are people who just rip it away and just like make trash out of it? I've heard of that with like old people, but I thought it was like- I've met a very particular dude in high school who would talk about that, yeah. Yeah, I I concur. That's super lame. I thought that was something that people who like grew up in the depression would do, not not a modern not a modern teenager. I mean, it probably comes from like, you know, teachings from parents who were from that era, I guess, but uh, you know. Was it an environment thing or was it like I'm going to be a millionaire because every year we waste 5 pennies on wrapping paper and if I save that money, I can invest it. And if you invest $5 a year, That'll be 500 by the time I'm 50. I think you actually hit it right on the head. It's very like depression era thinking that got passed on to him because it's very much in the lane of like, don't waste food, eat all your food or whatever, which like that's said by a lot of people who have like no real like environmentalist uh, tendencies or proclivities, but it's just kind of a general like uh, leftover or whatever. Yeah, like a yeah from a certain era. Mm hmm. Um, how do you feel? About, how do you feel about the fact that? So the question is, I always crave a visit to the mall around the holidays, and I find it very soothing. Why do I find it so soothing? Can we be sure that this is the Christmas holidays? Do you think she's talking about a different holiday? Wait, did you read the question? Yeah, I thought you read the title. It was such a short question. <laughs> yeah, I told you that. Oh shit. Okay, wait. I thought you just read the title. I was like, I'll read along when he reads the actual question. <laughs> No, I, that's what I was asking for your thoughts. I was like, why is Adrian pulling? Why, I was like wondering why you were making this intro talk so elongated. I was like, Adrian, can we get this? <laughs> I literally said it's a short question. It's got a long answer. So to- <laughs> okay, okay. Um, sorry, sorry. Sorry I've been a bad sport. I was like, why is he not getting to the fucking question? <laughs> it's okay. Typical. Wait, did you want to do my riff about, can we be sure that this is about the Christmas holidays or could it be a different holiday? <laughs> You're right. What? Like I, I really find the mattress sales for uh, President's Day really soothing. <laughs> why do I? Why am I so consumerist? <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's it's Coca Cola, right? It's them inventing Santa Claus and those polar bears. Like around the holidays, they yeah. they've just got us. They've got us by the goddamn balls, Adrian. Well, well, here's the thing, though, and I think this is maybe a, a new uh, perspective for the way we're talking about this question. She's just saying that she craves a visit to the mall, not that she's actually like, I need to go there and buy a bunch of stuff, which is the really consumerist thing. She seems to be bothered by just the innate, like, I just like being in the mall during Christmas, which I'm sure if this person had like their ideal vision of the future, it wouldn't include malls. But like, she's really just asking about the basic psychology of like, well, there's other consumerist practices that people enjoy around Christmas that I think would be considered less cringy. I think it's because the mall is a modern American kitsch sort of desire but like i i don't know is going to an old uh german style christmas market not the exact same thing it's a place where you buy things and that's not cringy that's considered like very adorable and uh aesthetic and aesthetic 
So I don't think she would feel as uh, guilty about that. So I think it's, I think she's misdiagnosing why she feels the guilt. And it's like, oh, it's because I'm such a good, I'm such a good anti-capitalist. And it's like, you're not an anti-consumerist. You're guilty because you feel embarrassed by the fact that you're a little bit kitsch. Mm. Yeah, your parents were basic and they raised you basic. Yeah, basic. Yeah, basic. For Christmas, my parents took me on a hike, so that's what I craved during the holidays. <laughs> Just a little bit of nature for old Adrian. <laughs> Do you have any ideas? Do I have any ideas? I don't know. Like, uh, if I can go to the mall and feel soothed by it. it's a, You don't have to buy anything. It's a good experience. Go, uh, go to the mall, take in the atmosphere. Um, hey, I mean, the way they do things nowadays, you can go the day after Thanksgiving and you'll get the right, you know what I mean? If you want to feel uh, better about the consumerism, um, shoplift, like the previous columnist. Ooh, and that's you very smart. don't have to feel guilty because you're doing the opposite of consumerism. You're taking money away from corporations. That's true. Or actually, I just heard about this today, but one of the YouTube channels that I follow that does food stuff, um... They like to do it in a, I don't want to, like, I'm not calling them out in any way, but they do it in a slightly, like, humble, braggy way where they're like, yeah, we understand that food waste is a huge part of, like, food media, and that's why we donate every month to the LA Food Bank. Uh, should you go to the mall during Christmas, but just, like, do something to cancel it out? Mm. Like, how would you cancel out consumerism? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe ask people not to give you a uh, a bot gift that year or whatever. Ask a few people to do that. To, like, make up for it. That sounds good to me. Alrighty. I think I'm ready for the answer. Alright. So just a heads up, Paul. I'm going to read the answer now. That's where we're at in the episode. It's very long. Answer. Dear Tiny Tim. It's time for a little shopping history. While I am loath to consider my youth historical material, based on your question, I suspect that you and I are of a similar age, especially for those of us who came of age in the pre-smartphone era. Shopping centers were one of the few accessible, teen-oriented social spaces. As a teenager, I spent so, so, so much of my free time at this vast outdoor mall in, Pitt in Pittsburgh called The Waterfront. I would meet one of my closest high school friends at the Popeyes across from the Home Depot before heading to the AMC to catch the last screening of the next Jude Law rom-com. I first laid eyes on the truly awful boy who would occupy all of my crush energy for the entirety of the 10th grade at a birthday party at P.F. Chang's. I consumed approximately a thousand Starbucks mochas and brick-like brownies. But you can't exactly separate mall culture from consumer culture. In between these landmark moments of adolescence, my friends and I spent endless hours in ambient shopping. We tried on super low-rise jeans and pastel bikinis and midriff-bearing t-shirts, imagining how this or that new addition to our look could reel in the attention from one idiot boy or another, as if we would resolve any festering sense of inadequacy or sadness that we all suffered. Good old American materialism has successfully sold our shirt are short-circuiting baby brains on the idea that shopping equals happiness. The sociological significance of malls and shopping centers to teen culture is well-trod territory, and you can find any number of 10,000-word academic papers explaining that teens need spaces to socialize and that there simply weren't many places for teens' selves to hang out outside of our parents' homes. And places you're meant to shop in are certainly designed to be pleasant. An enormous amount of research has been poured into creating inviting commercial spaces that also put you in the mood to treat yourself on a little splurge. 
While it used to be enough to marvel at the wares themselves, shopping has become an experience, even a form of escape. There are hints of this even in Emile Zola's 19th century novel, The Lady's Paradise, which is about a relatively modest shopkeeper who develops a super grand department store. A feeling of comfort penetrated the shoppers. They seem to be entering into spring after emerging from the winter. Actually, I'm going to take out this paragraph, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't really matter. Lush department stores gave way to the malls we're familiar with today, sprawling retail temples in which you could easily make a day of wandering. But as the popularity of online shopping grew over the 2000s, many malls began to fall into decline. Today, there are roughly 1,000 still in existence, but experts, say, but experts say about a quarter expected to close in the next five years. A McKinsey report from a few years back detailed how companies could cope with the impending demise of not just the mall, but the brick-and-mortar shop in general. Consumers want experiences with their things, they wrote. You need to give them a reason to want to cross your threshold that amounts to more than a merino wool sweater cape at 30% off. Mall operators, they wrote, must envision themselves no longer as real estate brokers, but instead as customer-facing providers of shoppable entertainment. There may be no more cringeworthy phrase than shoppable entertainment, because it transforms the act of buying things into activity rather than a means of procuring needed items. We need to find happiness and community and value in activities other than shopping, said the writer and activist Naomi Klein in a panel on climate-conscious design last year. Yes, absolutely. Say it a thousand more times. And yet, Tiny Tim, I don't think that means you need to perform some kind of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind brain wipe of your fond retail-oriented memories. Intellectually, I take no pleasure in the fact that the backdrop to so many of my teen memories were designed, at least in part, by the megacorporations behind brands like Hollister, Paxson, Abercrombie, and Gap. Atonement for my materialist 14-year-old sins is part of why I feel the need to expend tens of thousands of words beating the don't-buy-stuff-you-don't-need drum over and over again in this column. But emotionally, those stupid red Starbucks cups do spark a warm memory of hours spent wandering from store to store picking out presents for friends. If I walk by an Abercrombie storefront to this day, the scent of the perfume that wafts copiously out of the store still stirs up this very specific intimacy I had with my friend who used to work there. The solace of these chain stores themselves, the orderliness and warm lights, and the promise of some new little treat to help make up for the misery of December in western Pennsylvania, in western Pennsylvania has not released its grip on the pleasure centers of my brain. You don't have to change what comforts you, but you can control how you react to it. Socialization and culture are very pow powerful forces, and your memories are indelibly formed by them. I truly find nothing wrong with the idea of wandering at a Christmassy mall for the nostalgic ambience alone which is what it sounds like you enjoy the most. If shopping is supposed to be an experience, perhaps it doesn't have to be tied to buying things. Someone worked really hard to set up those lights. Real human labor went into making and placing all those red and gold globes and evergreen sachets. It arguably needs your enjoyment to not go to waste. If you're still concerned that you won't be able to resist the call to pull out your credit card, may I recommend meandering through those painstakingly decorated shopping districts after hours. I actually think it's a really lovely way to walk through those areas at night during the holidays, when the twinkle lights are still on, and the dimly lit decor feels genuinely peaceful. And it feels kind of illicit, which is the best possible callback to a simpler teen time. American culture is historically flawed, is horrifically flawed, particularly with regard to its role in climate change, and it absolutely needs to shift. But I don't believe that for foregoing all of your happy associations with materialism is a necessary precondition for becoming more climate conscious. You need to revisit how you seek out or recreate those associations now that you are more aware as a grown-up. Comfortingly, Umbra. All right, I feel like I just ran a marathon. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It answered the question in more words than she needed to, but she, uh, I think that's, you know, yeah. some part of Sometimes the Sometimes that's the point, yeah. People like to hear yeah. from, the, like, Dan Savage, right? Like, he takes short questions and people want to hear what he has to say. 
So he answers them in as many words as he can. He, he He's writing a little essay with the question as a prompt. And uh, this was definitely in that lane. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I can't really take fault with anything in there. Yeah, I liked everything she had to say. Cool. Are you ready for our third seggy? I am ready. All right, our third segment is a little thing called Food Court. Food Court! Uh, a food court. Um, yeah, so tangentially related, just kind of based on the idea of a food court, which we talked about earlier. I'm going to throw out some food trends from the last decade, and Paul and I are going to give our opinion on them. So uh, what's really funny about this is I think I know most of these. I just kind of pulled up a couple of articles. But it's so funny that unless you live in L.A., like there's probably a couple of these that haven't gotten to you yet. And I think that's really funny. Paul, you ready for this? Anything you want to say up top? No, I'm excited. I love this type of shit. I love it. So I kind of wanted to do it chronologically, but uh, the first article isn't really actually neither article is really made that way. So we're just going to jump into it. Here we go. The first one's a very recent one. Uh, Spiked and spirit free seltzer. Do you want to read the description or do you want me to read the description or do you want to just go into it? Uh, No, I mean, I think I know what this is all about. I I, I know what spiked seltzer is. What's spirit free? That would almost imply no alcohol or. Yeah, like LaCroix or uh, Topo Chico. That's getting big right now. This feels like two different trends. I don't know if I think it's trend- a mineral water, not a sparkling water. Yeah. But yeah, LaCroix. You know what I mean, though? A spiked seltzer and the other seltzer and the other like mineral I mean, water. The spiked seltzer is very much of like the last year or yeah. like, two years. Whereas yeah. LaCroix has been having its moment. I don't know if I can combine these mm-hmm. in my head. Okay, let's do spiked seltzer then. Um, spiked. Uh, you know what? I like the option. I like that they're everywhere. It's not my go-to order anywhere. Uh, it's not my go-to pick from anybody's fridge. But sometimes you are like, you know what? I just want the alcohol without feeling like, uh, without feeling like a big bubbly stomach. Um, but I still want it to taste like relatively neutral instead of just drinking the straight liquor. So I'll I'll say I'm f- I'm for the trend. I'm for the trend. I was going to say, there's something about it where, like, I just never really feel drunk after drinking seltzer or any effect from it. I think you made a point once where you were like, I don't get spiked seltzers. Like, why would you not just, like, mix your own concoction of, like, vodka and something? That is true. And that's if you're at home by yourself. But when you're at other people's places, very rarely are they going to have, uh, are they going to have seltzer water there so that you can just take water and uh, vodka and seltzer and make it yourself. It's here's what it is. It's preferable to a shitty light beer. I kind of agree with that in most cases. Um, any uh, standouts in your mind? If you've surveyed the the field, uh, how do you feel about the more artsy ones that are coming up? Every time I've tried one, I've just thought, "Wow, this is no different than the very cheap mass market ones than the White Claw." Every time there's like a I mean, new brand that's like, the I more- think what White Claw did that a lot don't do is they really settled on that. We're going to hit that 5% mark, whereas a lot of the craft ones are like, we're going to bring it down to 4.5, or we're going to bring it down even to like 3%. And it's like, well, of course it's going to taste better and like a little bit better than the White Claw. I I don't know. The White Claw is already so neutral tasting. To take it a more artsy direction, you're kind of losing the whole point of it, which is that it's neutral and inoffensive. Yeah. Uh, Fake meat? Or actually mock meat. So this is different than fake meat this is more of like uh which is something that uh phil carter has recommended to me once uh, like jackfruit instead of meat for pulled pork so oh. those kind of things um not a fan i don't like my fruit heated up do not care for watermelon steaks do not care for uh, well it doesn't know it's not always fruit. what about like a black bean burger which i kind of i, I really like those to be honest uh yeah th- those are tasty 
This is pretty banging. So this is before we really got into like processed, really, you know, like beyond burger type stuff, but just general like meat substitutes. A portobello mushroom instead of a burger. Mm, yeah, uh, a Shake Shack makes a really good uh, mushroom burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like those. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, I think going back to the climate change angle from the last column, I think uh, those kind of replacements have been a very nice substitute for a long time for people who are trying to be a little bit more, uh, I don't know, conscious about what they eat or whatever. Paul and Adrian's stamp of approval. Yeah. Let's see if we can get any ones where we have a negative opinion. Um, Okay, this is some real old school stuff. So this is some real 2010 stuff. Uh, Quinoa. I like quinoa. I don't have a problem with it. I can't cook it myself. I bought a bag once in college and just could not really get the texture right. So I like when other people make it for me or put it in other products, but couldn't get it right myself. I agree with I agree with that. I don't think I've ever made quinoa that has like that really uh good bite to it, that really soft bite, uh while also maintaining the size that you kind of want from each quinoa kernel. And I will say that I've bought instant quinoa that was pretty nasty. So I guess you probably do have to make it yourself to get it good. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I've bought the uh, like frozen bags of quinoa in the same way you can get frozen bags of rice from Trader Joe's and still just like so soggy and kind of gross like I really don't know how to make it. Restaurants, you're right. Restaurants do it well, but I guess it's because they're really like hitting that right balance of like water absorbency and pouring some great olive oil on top and just getting it nice. Um, Brussels sprouts. Is that a fad? That was hot like eight years ago. I like Brussels sprouts. I don't, I oh, like them. I had them for dinner at a restaurant the other day. I like them in a bag. I don't like them on the stock. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy that stupid mass of stock. And cut them off. You know, people love doing that. And I'll tell you, as someone who used to work as a cashier, fucking annoying to like put into a bag or trying to finagle into a bag for you or whatever. Yeah. Hated it as well. I will say this, though. It definitely was a thing. And I can point to one piece of evidence that I have, which is one of Harris Whittles' jokes on Comedy Bang Bang when he would do Foam Corner, which was like just things off his like notes app. And it was, hey, Brussels sprouts and broccolini. Enjoy your 15 minutes. (laughs) Well, Brussels sprouts is not the same as broccolini. I don't like him coupling those. You know what's funny? I actually still really love broccolini too, especially for stir fries. It's like a really mm. nice if you cut it into nice diagonals. All right, let's see. Oh, epic cheese charcuterie boards. Oh, that, those are wonderful. Do, have you ever really... It's one of those things where like, I often talk about how I don't really believe in like or not even believe it's like not a big thing in my life where like i see things on instagram or social media and feel bad charcuterie boards are still especially after the during the pandemic such a thing where it's like i made a charcuterie board for my mom's birthday here's our entire nine foot dining table covered in shit and i'm like well fuck i'm never gonna be able to live up to that i guess but also don't you feel embarrassed for that person they're not gonna be able to eat all that cheese at one go it's like a, a more manageable size of four or five select good cheeses is clearly uh, more, more enjoyable. Oh, but this is epic cheese and charcuterie boards. Oh, is this different? Did I not understand that this is implying some ridiculous amount of cheese and meats? Yeah, it's not like what I did, like what I would do for you whenever you would come over and, uh, to my place. I would like do like two or three bottles of wine and like four or five cheeses with stuff. Um, we're talking like, you know, full table spread with like, you make the like salami look like a rose because you put it over a cup or whatever. Oh, then, you... No, no. Yeah. That's, this is all stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just, I it, would actually, it almost always seems inherently wasteful. Like I want to see a before and after picture of how much food was wasted. We'll do one more article and let's see if there's anything new. 
Um, oh, so this is the first one where I really, this trend came and went without me noticing it. Damn, I think this article might be from a cooler publication because all of these are passing me by. Edible cookie dough. Oh, you haven't seen that at a grocery store? Um, it's like no. you just oh, pop it no. in the freezer and it doesn't have eggs in it, I guess, or it doesn't have raw eggs, so you can just kind of eat it by itself or bake it into cookies. Paul, I think you've hit on a very important point. I've been a loyal Trader Joe's shopper for so long. Only recently am I shopping at regular grocery stores. And one of my main things that I talk about is like, there's so much innovation that I've missed because I just shop at Trader Joe's all the time. <laughs> I will say, and edible I assume this cookie dough is something that I've been purchasing since college. I'll put some in my freezer oh. sometimes, yeah. Okay, so this is a big stamp of approval. Yeah, because I mean, before edible cookie dough, I was just buying uh, an edible cookie dough and just risking the salmonella. So I was like, you know what? <laughs> Counterpoint, counterpoint, one of my sister's friends in high school, their family was really well off because her little sister got salmonella poisoning from Nestle. (laughs) So, you know, counterpoint to edible cookie dough. What do you mean by really well off? They're really paying out more than like 100k for something like that? They were well off, better off than they should have been. I don't know. Okay. I don't really remember the fine. I didn't do the taxes for their parents. (laughs) Not Nor just- did I have a good understanding of what their wealth was. <laughs> I mean, they weren't like Mark buying a Tesla, Rich, but you know. <laughs> they're doing well, well very few people are. I heard Elon has trouble affording them. Okay, this is uh, my first, this is the first one where maybe I have like a, like a legitimately kind of like ranty strong opinion about alternative milks. Oh, I like them. I love like, an almond milk. I like almond milk. Dude, when almond milk came out, started drinking it, never looked back. Adrian, you are humiliating yourself right now. You're not on oat milk? <laughs> no, I'm not, a, I'm not a white girl at Starbucks, dog. Oh my god, that is embarrassing. I will fuck with the cashew milk, though. I actually really like oat milk. I think it's the best alternative that they've made so far. It tastes better in cereals and in coffee. Mm. Honestly, a lot of people hate it. I kind of like the... Not even... It's crazy to me that they make vanilla almond milk when it already kind of has a vanilla flavor on its own, and I kind of enjoy that. Mm, interesting. Uh, I, I will say that I don't like the grocery store brands of almond milk. I like the Trader Joe's brand. I don't yeah. like the Almond yeah, Breeze yeah. at all. Almond Breeze, for some reason, tastes like absolute shit to me. It, um, it, it, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Oh, but speaking about Trader Joe's, they have a shelf-stable blueberry lavender almond milk that is... One of my, probably my favorite, like, milk alternative of all, of all time. Blueberry it's lavender? absolutely beautiful. Yeah, cool. It is absolutely beautiful, yeah. Um, And then, I, I think I've gotten around to trying, like, some pistachio milks and stuff like that, but none of it's really all that compelling. Adrian, I'm just cracking up by how passionate I am about these conversations, that it is so funny in comparison to how little I cared about the ball stuff. <laughs> the consumerism <laughs> that's, stuff. that's what I said as when you were, like, third second. I was like, up, food. Like, Let's get into it. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, I agreed. When you were talking about Blue Diamond, which, you know, Pride of Sacramento, I think there's like one of their biggest processing places in Sacramento, if they're not based out of there. Fucking hate their almond milk, dude. And I don't know how you can mess it up that much. It's so, yeah. Yeah, but never got into soy milk, though. You know, I was kind of a Chad, so I never really got into soy milk. Um, What's the other one? The one that comes in that like kind of fancy shape? It's slightly better than Almond Breeze. The one where it's like, it, uh, it's got like a real curve to exactly the bottle. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the California one. Yeah. Um, that one is slightly better, but still not really touching on Trader Joe's house brand of almond milk. That's yeah, I, I kind of I don't I totally agree with that. 
Um, also, like I, I think I mentioned this, or maybe I didn't. Um, almond uh, eggnog instead of regular eggnog. Really enjoyed it. Um, so enjoy it as an alternative with way less sugar in it. Really quick, though. In the, you know, fucking stupid debate about... I literally had this happen to me when I was working at Trader Joe's where a customer asked me why it's called almond milk because it's not, like, from a cow's teat or a mammal's teat. And I was like, I don't know. It gives you, like, a basic direction for what you're going to use it for. I don't know, man. It's not a big deal. (laughs) They were, like, so offended by it. They were like, it should be almond beverage. And I think Trader Joe's did call it almond beverage or something. Maybe it was the reverse. Were they from the cow lobby? Like, what were they from the... Why did they I think it might shit? have actually been the reverse, where uh, almond milk at Trader Joe's is called almond beverage, and they were asking why it wasn't called almond milk. Oh, they they were wondering what the labeling was, and it was probably, yeah. I mean, th- there's been attempts, uh, I don't know what's passed and what hasn't, but there has been attempts by, like, uh, the uh, by the milk industry to ban almond milk from being able to label itself as milk. Same with, uh, mm-hmm. same with uh, fake meats from being able to, like, brand themselves chicken nuggets or from or calling themselves beef this is a maybe the, an example that people don't know about it's historical in the u.s i think like pretty like 50 60 years ago whenever margarine came out really big the dairy lobby i don't know if it's the dairy lobby maybe just the actual butter lobby because i don't really know what margarine's made of it's made of like vegetable fat isn't it mm-hmm. anyways the big story about it was that there was literally an attempt by uh lobbyists to get a law passed that margarine had to be dyed pink so that people knew that it wasn't <laughs> butter. Like, they're literally trying to go that far to be like, we want people to know that this isn't the real thing and that they're fucking up our profits. Um, yeah, that's really funny. Um, okay. Oh, here's another one that's very, like, Mimi 2012. Sriracha. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I think it's not spicy enough and the flavor doesn't actually match the flavor of um Mm -hmm. a lot of the things people want to put it on as well as i want from uh like i with pizza i'm either gonna put on like a relatively neutral hot sauce or a nice vinegary hot sauce for me yeah yeah uh like a what do you call it not new or is it new orleans a louisiana hot sauce um tastes great on pizza but sriracha doesn't do it for me i don't know the flavor doesn't really match pizza flavor to me um I agree, and I, I'll go ahead and be. A By little, the way, I'll go ahead and put this. out my uh, my uh, uh, just crystal great hot sauce for stuff like pizza. That's my suggestion. I'll be a little weenie about this and go ahead and give my story, which is when I used to live in a very small dorm with my freshman year roommate. He would put a whole shitload of sriracha on his eggs from the uh, dining room that we'd bring back up every day, and it just stunk up our apartment so much. And like famously, like the factory got sued in the. Uh, somewhere wherever in California it was being made because it stunk up the whole town. And like really more than anything else, I associate with just like funky smell than anything that tastes good. Yeah. Interesting that we both don't like Sriracha. Why are are we the same person? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, I feel like maybe because this is like, like I said, this is, you know, 10 years ago at this point, this is not a hipster opinion where I was like, oh, there's Sriracha everywhere. I fucking hate it now. Like, I just legitimately had bad experiences with it. How do you feel about that? Uh, Like chili oils and like sir- similar to Sriracha sauces in like pho or at like a Vietnamese place? Oh, I'll, I'll fuck with the chili oil, yeah. especially during dim sum or anything like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think in pho, like, I want an oily thing to go into that, uh, to go into that broth. Um, it, uh, it, it transfers flavor better. Okay, here's something that I've never had before, but I'm aware of. 
ramen burgers reuse like two ramen patties as the as the patties or not as the uh, buns never had it what's the argument here why would that be preferable uh because they can crisp it up so like they boil it but they keep it in the shape and they crisp it so it's like a nice textural pasta-y taste and flavor i don't i don't really know to be honest i'm not gonna lie maybe it actually just looks cool it might just be a stunt burger uh yeah it sounds like a stunt but i guess i'd have to try it to judge it sounds like maybe there is some sort of interesting texture there um whether or not you believe it or not it was a really it was originated in a restaurant in williamsburg brooklyn uh okay that's whatever that's whatever that's whatever oh okay well we'll end with the uh, with two more um it's not a tumor um let's go let's go to our let's go to our boys across the pond uh paul sushi burritos aka sushi ritos love them i think they're really good um not sure they're better than sushi would be my main point of contention with them. I think that would be my main issue with them, is I don't know if I need a sushi Rito. <laughs> um, also, I've had a very weird experience with sushi Ritos recently, which uh, Warmack in Charlotte. Um, seafood spot, but not Asian seafood spot, but their menu is mainly sushi. Ordered a sushi burrito from there. They wrapped it in bread. In like a sourdough? No, no, no. Like a uh like a tortilla. Oof. That it was sounds really gross. A really weird choice. It threw me off balance. I don't think I've been like that knocked off my game in a while, you know? Like I was going through life thinking like, mm-hmm. you know, my twenty six years on this earth, like I've figured out a lot of things. You have seen it all. I've seen it all. I'll tell you what. Uh <laughs> <laughs> what, so is tortilla round rice? Yeah. It was a green tortilla. Hey, gotta get those spinach benefits. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll. T- <laughs> it, it, I think I think my whole week has been a little bit off ever since. It makes sense. That was a real glitch in the matrix type shit, dude. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I know. Um, I think I've only ever had one or two, so maybe I should, I'm not I'm not qualified to speak on it. But I do just think sushi is better than a sushi rito. Uh, I split it with tin. Um, and the one thing I remember is that he got the octopus tuna one. And then when I was eating it, I was like, oh, what are these little things? And he was like, hmm, let me check the description. Oh, yeah, there are tempura fried shrimp sticks in it as well. <laughs> and I was like, fucking A, dude. But there was small enough that apparently there was so little shrimp in it that it actually didn't cause a uh, reaction for me. So That's I ate funny. it all and I was ready to call it a day. I was like, 2 p.m. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some Benadryl and go to bed, I guess. But it actually ended up being OK. OK, last one. Uh, kind of in a similar vein. Poke bowls. Mm. I really like them. Not sure I like them more than sushi, but I really like them. I feel like that. Yeah, that's kind of the heart of the issue again. I guess they do come with more varieties of things. So you you get the seaweed spin, a salad. You get like the little crispy wontons. You get but the, the, pro- the avocado. Main, the main their main distinction from sushi is also their biggest fault in that the ingredients are so separated that I never feel like I get a perfect bite. Yeah. But with sushi, I get the perfect bite every time. Yeah, that's actually 100% true. You know what? It's crazy how much you just like pointed out the issue with this thing. <laughs> because, and you know, the origination of poke was like while fishermen in the Pacific were like out fishing and stuff, one way they would sustain themselves is they would just cut one of the fish that they caught and then marinate it in like a little bit of like vinegar and like soy sauce and stuff and just eat it like that. 
So the original poke, I think it translates to just meaning like something, something like in that vein of like just fish that's marinated in something for a little bit. Um, it was not this whole grand uh, Chipotle-esque go through and pick all your <laughs> toppings type thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was ever meant to be. Gotcha. But yeah. I don't know. The hubris of man. Tin loves him. To be honest, every time he gets one, he asks me if I want one. And I'm like, I mean, fuck it. Yeah, I'll get like an octopus and tuna poke bowl or whatever. But. Really? You go for octopus that often? I, f- I find it sometimes a little bit too chewy to be my go-to protein order at a place. Well, I got the tuna in there to balance it out. I'm not a big salmon boy, to be honest. So that's mm. usually the other option aside from shrimp. Any summation of this third segment or any other ideas you want to lay out? Hey, it's been food court. And Judge Paul and Judge Adrian have spoken. Hey. Um, okay, big facts, no cap. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, big fact. Um, when it comes to the mall, go straight for the food court. It's the best part of the mall. The game stops right there. There's a, there's a carousel you can ride if you're still young enough that you need to ride the carousel. You can take the elevator up to the uh, men's part of Belk's. Um, food courts are great. Um, in my no cap is if you're going to go to the mall and you definitely plan to get a soft pretzel at some point, do it after you've done like 90% of your shopping. That way you don't get a soft pretzel, get your hands all buttery. And then when you're like touching clothes at a, like a store and they're like, Hey, can you like, what that? why are you like listening? And you're like, Oh, it's nothing or whatever. And they're like, you have to buy it. If you fuck up the clothes, what are you doing? You'd be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just a little and just like lick off your fingers. And like, there's some salt on there. Just be like, no, nah, it's cool, man. It's whatever. I'm, I'm it's just a little anti hands. And then you rip anything, off all your the clothes price. while the security guard chases you, but he can't hold on to you because you're so buttery. You're like a pig. <laughs> you're like a pig covered in oil. And you're like. <laughs> Precisely. Wait, what was my point? Yeah, don't don't do that. Uh, go, go to Auntie Anne's right at the end. I agree. Also, if you go to Auntie Anne's, get yourself the cheese dipping sauce, not the caramel dipping sauce. What are you, an animal? Hey, that's what I did. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.